And now, join Kevin Hart as he dives into the minds of some of your favorite celebrities. This is Gold Mines with Kevin Hart. Welcome, world. Welcome to all new episode of Gold Mines. You already know what it is. You know what it is, so I shouldn't have to tell you what it is, because what it is is what it ain't, is what it was. This is all about getting inside the minds of amazing people. And by amazing people, guys, you know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about artists, journalists, entrepreneurs, multi-hyphenates, people that just do great shit. I like to talk to them. But today we're going to do it a little different. I'm going to switch it up. Here's how I'm going to do it. Here's how I'm going to switch it up, and here's why. I always talk to others and at the same time people give me questions and people have like things that they want to know about myself and they've asked things and we've received your questions and now in receiving them I feel like I should do a good job of answering them I feel like I should do a better job of letting you guys inside the mind of me so you know what I'm gonna do I'm gonna hit you with a bang a big boom a big bang boom pow guys it is the 15 year anniversary my first ever hour comedy special. I'm a grown little man. Did you hear that? 15 years. Goddamn. How old am I? My producers thought that it would be a great episode. And we just talked about it. We talked about the origin of not only the special, but some of the jokes, that time, where it was, what I was, and when it was. With that being said, let's get inside the mind of me, Kevin Hart. I want to talk about the fact that that special, that time, was probably the most difficult time of my career. I was broke. By broke, guys, I mean like I bounced checks flying my family out to New York to tape I'm a Grown Little Man. So you want gold? Let's get into some fucking gold. This is gold mines. Let's give you some fucking gold. I was broke as fuck, had no money in my bank account, but at the time I had a a checking account where I had just received checks for the checking account. And in purchasing my flights, in purchasing my hotel, I wrote checks for everything. Uh, And my hope was that the checks wouldn't be processed until the Monday or the Tuesday, which would still give me maybe a couple of days of wiggle room to figure it out. And if I didn't figure it out, then it would bounce and it would be what it was. I would have the negative balance and the moment. This is Gold Mines, hosted by Kevin Hart. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix. We return to Gold Mines, hosted by Kevin Hart. Here's the crazy thing about how I operate. Like, my pressure is nobody else's pressure. My problems are nobody else's problems. I don't voice them. I don't. I don't fucking propose them to others. It's just, it is what it is. At this point in my life, I remember my wife, my kids, you know, I was like, I ain't saying shit to nobody. Uh, This is when I was with Tori, my first wife, you know. I had Tori, Heaven, and Hendrix with me. And I also... I had my mother-in-law, which was crazy. Bought them all. You would have thought I fucking had it. We was bought them all to New York. Everybody's in the hotel. We go out to eat the day before. We are watching and seeing New York in the 
the best visibility possible without a dime in my fucking pocket. (laughs) And I remember taping Grown Little Man. But I remember, like, before we get into the actual special and the jokes of it all, I remember, like, being there in the day before, um, my then producer and partner, Michelle Caputo, she said, Kevin, I want you to come and I want you to do a, you know, a walkthrough, a sound check and a walkthrough. At this point, this is the first time I've ever heard words or verbiage like this in my career, a walkthrough, a sound check. What the fuck? For what? What am I walking through? What am I checking? And I get there and I see the set of what my first comedy special would look like and be. And they had my, like, they had an idea of what the Philadelphia apartment landscape would look like. But it was in the shadows with, like, different versions of kids in the window. And if you don't like this, Kevin, we can switch it to this. And we, like, played around with different things. But I was a part of the process early on. I was a part of the development early on. You'll see why these words make so much sense as it comes full circle when we get to the later stages of the of the podcast. But like early on, being a part of the development, being a part of the 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 process showed me what the business is, was, and supposed to be. So the questions that I then went on to ask at later stages were all birthed from the questions that I knew I should ask from my early stages. And going in to do the comedy special, the crazy thing about the special was like, fuck, I'm nervous, God damn it. It's my first hour. This is a big deal. And everybody was telling me that this is unheard of, Kev, for you to get an hour special this fast. Or Comedy Central is crazy. Comedy Central at the time was popping. Comedy Central was doing big business and big comics were coming from Comedy Central. Oh, my God. All right. This is what it is. This has to be the moment. I went out and bounced another check. I got an outfit. Went to the Gucci store. Got a Gucci shirt. Some Gucci sneakers. Uh, I remember it like it was yesterday. If you go look at my Grown Little Man comedy special, there's a Gucci shirt with the stripes of a general on my shoulder. That's why I bought the shirt. Because I felt like I was at war. And I had my stripes. This was going to give me a stripe. Black Gucci sneaks. Go watch the special. Some big blue baggy jeans. I want to say those jeans were... I I want to say Jabot. Jabot jeans, maybe? I didn't bounce a check on the jeans. I had the jeans, but I bounced a check for sure on the Gucci stuff. That for sure sent a negative balance to my account. <laughs> But I look good. I felt good. Oh, my God. It's show day. I go. I do my comedy special. Just because this is one, uh, an episode for you guys to, like, really understand how my mind works. My jokes on Growing Little Man were so dope to me because they were so raw. I was raw. There were no consequences. There were no problems. There was no what I can do or what I can't do. Because at that time I was a man on a mission and the mission was just to be funny. Nothing else mattered. Be funny at the highest level, get the biggest laugh, and ultimately the biggest reward will come. That was a good time for me. No partnerships, endorsements, no fucking companies. No titles of CEO or goddamn <laughs> chairman. I was a nigga on a mission. 
That's so fucking dope. It's so dope being that because there's just no rules. Grow Little Man was great because I worked on that set for basically eight years. Think about that for a second. As an audience, just think about that and understand that. For the entry point to my career, the first eight years were spent developing material. The idea of doing an hour was crazy. An hour? Being on stage for an hour? Understand, guys, like I was fucking, I was on stages for five to seven minute increments. Five, seven minutes. At max, there was 10 minute sets. Maybe 12. So to develop an hour, you know, for a new, a new face, it's, it's, it's hard. How are you working? How are you reworking? Comedy clubs weren't booking me in bulk. I wasn't doing weekends by myself. So it was like, fuck. I guess I'll just try to do new things every time and then piece it together. So truly, for the first seven years of my comedy career, I was redoing the same material in different ways, shapes, and forms in 10 to 15-minute increments. Until I got comedy clubs that would allow me to do 35 to 45 minute sets. So a grown little man presented itself. It was like, oh my God, this couldn't come at a better time because I finally have what I think is a 55 minute set. This was like my coming out party. It was something that was like, fuck, the hour has to be right. Shout out to Keith Robinson, mentor, friend brother reason for my like success in comedy told me stupid you get that hour and you got to be able to flip it frontwards backwards forward middle reverse rewind etc and I, I did that and the beauty of the comedy central of it all was the audience you know when I filmed my special I couldn't sell tickets so at a theater and it was like a bringer show. They went out and they gave, they gave tickets away. They gave, they gave people seats. So this wasn't a room filled with people that knew my comedy or that knew of me. Grown Little Man is where I birthed my first original fan base. I was in a room full of people who had no idea who the fuck I was or what I was doing. It was a bringer show. Do you understand how crazy that is? There was somebody on the street of the Beacon Theater asking people to come and attend the show. And that's how they filled up the 800 or 900 seats, whatever it was. Somebody barked at people as they walked by. And that's how we filled the room. Insane. God, I swear if I knew who those people were in the tenant grown little man, I, I would take them all to fucking dinner. <laughs> Every last person in the audience. I swear to God I would. I swear to God I would fucking buy out a restaurant and take that audience to dinner to simply do a toast and say thank you. Because not only were they like unprepared for a comedy show and unprepared for me, they weren't prepared for the moment. And the moment ended up being like the best moment ever. I destroyed that fucking, like destroyed that theater. Never had a better comedy set. Was I'm a Grown Little Man the first theater you ever did? The full, full set of an hour? Mm Mm-hmm. That was my, I think I did a couple comedy clubs before, but I've never done a theater. Wow. Grown Little Man is the first theater that I've ever done. Damn. See, people as an audience, as a fan base, you guys don't really understand, like, the crazy opportunity of the opportunity. 
in the opportunity. That's right. I said three opportunities and they all had a different fucking meaning. I'll say it again just in case you didn't hear it. The audience or the fan base, you guys don't understand the crazy opportunity in the opportunity of the opportunity. Mm -hmm. So the craziness is like, I've never done this. How'd the opportunity come at first? Like what was the first call or scout that saw you that was like, hey, are you interested in shooting a special? My manager, Dave Becky, is who basically put it together. He's like, I've been watching your stand-up. You're getting stronger. It's time for us to like take it to the next level. Because I did a Comedy Central half hour first. And a Comedy Central half hour, the reason why I say the hour was my first time performing in the theater, because the Comedy Central half hour, you're a part of like a six to eight comic. Showcase, yeah. Mesh. You know what I mean? Like, so... We're all got the same audience and they just switch your name and digital board. That's it. It was before Netflix. So Comedy Central was like the Netflix of that time. And I'd say that Comedy Central doesn't still have a presence in comedy. Netflix just now has taken over and presented a, a much larger scale of opportunity for comics, which is why comics started to run towards Netflix and no longer... Mm-hmm. Comedy Central in bulk. I remember, I remember like walking out on stage and truly thinking to myself as I'm walking before I get to the microphone, oh, please God, don't let the hotel check out. <laughs> Hand on the Bible. Hand on the Bible. <laughs> Swear on my mother's grave. That was a real thought. Oh my God, I'm about to do this show. God, please don't let that hotel check bounce. Was it- I just want to get done the show and get back to the room and be okay. Those are my thoughts walking out on stage. It's not having a fear mm-hmm. that can make you great. Was it a one take or was it multiple nights? One show. Bang. Bang, bang, bang. Actually, I think we taped two shows. But they were like, one was like a live show and one was the taping. Nice. Nice. I want to say that we did two shows. One was the only one was the taping though. God, it's crazy. Like when you look back, you think about, you just think about that time. I want you guys to look at the fearless, like the fearlessness. And my topics were so cool, man. Like, you know, when you go look at my, my, the joke selection. So dope. Universal without knowing that I was universal. Mm -hmm. My favorite joke on that set was just talking about how much of a bitch I was. Yeah. (laughs) And at that time in my life, I was. I was a bitch. I was afraid of problems and conflict. And my reason for being afraid of problems and conflict at that time was like, I'm trying to make it. Like, what if something happens while I'm trying to make it? I'm scared too, but that's what women want. Women like that security. I'm a great provider. I got money. I can pay for stuff. I don't mind that. I'm not a protector. That's where, that's where I'm like, not that guy. You know what I mean? Like, woman, you want every guy to fight for you. That's not me. I'm not a fighter. I won't say that I am. I will never pretend to be. That's not who I am. Prime example, let's say me and you go to the movies, right? We're at the movies. We're having a good time. I don't know where some guy come up, smack you in the face real hard. <laughs> if you with me, then you just got smacked. That's something that just... I'm being honest, all right? I'm not, I'm not going to do nothing about it. Now, we can talk about it when we get in the car. Let's... Let's figure out why it happened and, and see what we can do to prevent it from happening again. But as far as me like just going and doing something about it, I'm not gonna fucking do it. Because if he didn't care about your face, I know he don't give a fuck about mine. That's, that's common sense. Two, two black eyes ain't gonna get us home. Somebody got the drive. That's what I'm good at. I'm a witness. I saw everything. When, when he hits you, I got behind the vending machine because I didn't want him to know that we were together. It's none of his business who I'm with. I can't believe he kicked you when you failed. That's, that's 
where I got upset because you gave up. You didn't want to fight no more. Why would he put his boot to your face? That's just disgusting to me. He should be shot. I've seen too many people get knocked out. That's why I don't like to fight, man. You ever see somebody get knocked out, man? Like, knocked out. I'm talking about in person. Like, you, you witness somebody get knocked the hell out. It changes your opinion on fighting, doesn't it? When you see somebody get knocked out, you don't want to fight no more. Like, damn, that shit look like it hurt. I don't, I don't know if I want to. I saw somebody get knocked out. Me and my boy, we at a club, right? We having a good time. We partying. Mm, mm, get money. Mm, mm, get money. We having a good time, right? Out of nowhere, <laughs> that's how we party, because we both small. We don't, I don't hang with tall people. It was just us, mm, right? So, out of nowhere, he gets into an argument with this guy at the bar. The guy at the bar got mad, punched my boy in the face. As soon as he hit him, my friend fell asleep. <laughs> when he woke up, he got mad at me. He was like, Kev, how come you ain't get him? And I was like, you know what? That's some selfish shit. Because I just saw what he was capable of. You know what I mean? Like, he, he made you go to sleep. I'm not tired. I'm wide awake. I took a nap. Why would I walk right into that ass whooping? That's stupid. <laughs> Crazy thing is, now that I made it, it's like, I wish you fucking would play with me. You get, you get crazier, because like, it's been a long time since you've put yourself in stupid positions, but at the same time, you're like, but I ain't no bitch. At this time, I was. So all of my jokes were like bitch generated. I don't want to fight. If I do fight, here's yeah. the consequences. Oh my God, me and my lady got into arguments. She did this and here's the consequences. Well, if you are a fighter and you do this, well, here's how I feel. Well, let me tell you what I don't do. And if you do do that, here's what's going to make me do because I'm yeah. never doing that. It was all reactive. This is Gold Mines, hosted by Kevin Hart. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix. Now more from Kevin Hart on Gold Mines. One thing I thought was dope, too, was how you introduced the characters, you know, one of them being Uncle Richard Jr. and him fighting, and yeah. uh, and how the characters in your later specials also are reoccurring. You kind of set the foundation of, yeah, these are this is the world of Kevin Hart, and it wasn't just a one-off mention of these people. So I would love to hear about that Uncle Richard Jr. Well, story. That, well, that's the, I mean, I think the beauty, the beauty of the special is... Embracing the idea of the story. I saw my uncle get knocked out one time. That might have been the funniest shit I've ever seen in my life. Because we was at a family reunion. First of all, it's a family reunion. It's a picnic. It's kids and shit around. It's a time for fun. My uncle got drunk. He get into an argument with this guy over picnic space. He's like, hey, man, you and your kids, y'all not no hearts. Y'all need to get the hell out of this picnic space. And the guy was, you know, the guy was like, look, dude, I don't mind moving, but don't curse me in front of my kids. So my uncle was drunk, he went to curse again, but before he got it out, the guy hit him. You ever see somebody get hit so hard, they try to grab everything on the way down? <laughs> it happened so fast. He was like, my uncle was like, let me tell you something, fuck you. <laughs> the shit that made me laugh is that he was looking at him the whole way down. I was like, just go down, fall, shit, man. Messing up the picnic, change came out of his pocket. I ain't never seen somebody get hit so hard that change come out their jeans when they standing up. You know how hard a nigga gotta hit you for loose change to come out your jeans? Soon as he got hit, 35 cent flew out of his pocket. He went like, pow, pow. I said, God damn. He just knocked 35 cent out of Uncle Richard Jr. in your pocket. I ain't never seen nobody get hit that hard. Yeah. These are things that I've seen. And as the specials continued, I mean, goddamn, I'm eight in, I think. Seven to eight specials deep. Well, the beauty of it is like looking at the growth, not only in myself, but the growth of the characters, to your point. Some have died, some have not, some have lived on. Those that have still do this. It's like my my fan base 
has evolved with me. We're we're all on the same page. We're we're all reading the same book. I think it's really dope that my fan base can go back and revert to <gasps> I love that. Yeah. Oh my god, no, I like this. Oh my god, it's so cool that he did this or that. Like, I love that. Uncle Richard Jr., my dad, my mom. Cousin Daryl, all that stuff was birthed there. Grown little man, that's all I knew. And by the way, that's what you're supposed to know. Early on in your career, you're supposed to know your family. You're not supposed to know shit else. You're not supposed to have an abundance of experience and experiences under your belt. You're raw, you're new. And you need to talk about you. And the crazy thing is without knowing it truly, I embraced it with a thousand percent simply because I was like, the comedians that are great, you know about their like their lifeline. You know like their history, trajectory, family. Mm-hmm. Like you just, they put it all on the table. And that was one of the biggest discoveries of mine, figuring out how to put it on the table, figuring out how to be unbelievably honest and okay with the yeah. response. One thing I love too was uh, the closing joke, the last joke with the white water rafting. And then and, and, uh, yeah. and close with Naeem in, in that story. I think it's so cool going back to the characters and seeing, but there are still some common themes in some of these people in your life. How important was it to have that kind of like that village and that tight knit from day one, as you were bouncing checks and trying to figure it out to today? Well, you know what? It's, it's crazy because I feel like, you know, these relationships that I've now developed with my brothers, my friends, it's like, we're all growing. We're, we're all growing. We all have progressed in our lives and are doing different things, but it's just crazy when you look back and you, you look at the level of evolve, right? I mean, the white water rafting closing was a very fucking mm-hmm. funny joke. It was great. It's a <laughs> naive moment. Like it's a me and naive moment, a real me and naive memory. I want to tell y'all a funny story before I get ready to go. I'm, uh, I'm about to do a show uh, where I'm doing everything that they say black people are afraid to do. Like I'm bungee jumping, skiing, skydiving, eating dinner with my family with the TV off. Every, everything they say that we as black people don't do, I'm about to do. But before they gave me money to do the show, they was like, Kev, we got to know that you're going to do it for sure. We don't want to give you money to do it. And then it comes time to do it, you don't do it. You know what I'm saying? I was like, I'll tell you what. I'll take my own money. I'll do it with my own money. They was like, all right, cool, fine. Let's do it that way. So me, my wife, my boy Naeem, my friend Nate, we all in Chattanooga, Tennessee. I'm about to do a theater in Chattanooga, Tennessee. I was like, you know what? We're going to go whitewater rafting. I was like, but listen, can't nobody act. We all got to be ourselves. I'm going to film it. It's all right, cool. It's going to be all that. Now, we like the only black people in Chattanooga, Tennessee at the time. There weren't no other black people there. But before you go whitewater rafting, you got to drive a car. The car takes you to the bus. When you get to the bus, that's how you get down to the river. We were late getting to the bus. So all the seats on the bus are taken, except the seats in the back. Now, I'm a comedian. I'm silly. So I start walking. I was like, damn, y'all still racist. Y'all ain't expecting no black people to show up. Ha ha. He he. I'm joking. We sit down in the back of the bus. Out of nowhere, the bus driver got up. He's like, you guys in the back. Don't try to jump out that back door because there's park rangers out there and they will fire. I was like, uh, where the fuck did that come from? Like, we, like we with y'all, right? This is a group thing, right? So, so Naeem, that's my boy. He's like, yo, stop bitching, man. We trying to do this for you. We trying to make you money. I'm like, all right, whatever. I ain't going to say nothing. We get off the bus. When you get off the bus, your instructor waiting on you. This guy named Lance. He had one arm in the air. He's like, hearts, where the hearts at? I'm like, we the hearts. He's like, come on, you guys will be getting in the water with me. I get over there to him, this arm was in a cast. From here to here, all this shit was wrapped up and he had the thing holding it up. So he's like, come on, you guys, y'all gonna be getting in the water with me. So, you know, I looked at him, I was like, I'm, I'm probably not gonna go if you're gonna keep that on. 
He's like, no, trust me, you good. This happened doing something else. You're fine. I was like, all right, well, you know, let me, let me talk to my family real quick. So I got over there to them. I was like, hey, look, y'all, before we go do this, I just want to tell y'all, fuck this, I'm not going to do it. And they was like, what? I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't think I'm going to do it. I don't really feel that comfortable, you know, doing it. He got a cast on. So now Amy's like, yo, stop being a bitch, man. We're doing this for you. We're trying to make you money. You know what I'm saying? You the one holding up your success. I was like, all right, fine. You're right. I ain't going to say shit else. I hope we die together. I'm sarcastic. I'm an asshole. So we get there. This old lady was giving, like, the orientations, right? Basically, she was briefing us on what we should know when we're in the water. But she was an asshole. Like, she was such a jerk, man. Like, she had no patience at all. This is honestly how she was talking to us. She's like, everybody, gather around, please. Today, you're not the only group. Today, um, listen up. Only gonna say it once, okay? First of all, if you fall out, people don't stand up. Our Pete, don't stand up because your face can get caused by something we call a face flood, you'll die. Your foot can get underneath the water, rocks go on it, cause your face to go forward, water goes over, you're dead. We had it happen, all right? Um, also, listen up, listen, listen. You fall out your ass, people, you must be a part of your own rescue. Meaning you must help us help you, all right? If you don't want to help us help you, you can help yourself. That's your choice. We've been paid, okay? That's all up to you at this time. Um, I got it, said it, didn't say it. Oh, here it is. Last but not least. Got a lifeline. Lifeline looks like this. Lifeline's seven feet long. If you fall out the raft, we can throw it to you. If you're at eight feet, I suggest you get to seven. That's the only way we can get you back in. Um, with that being said, have a good time. Enjoy yourself. So I turn around, everybody buckling their stuff up. They're putting their helmets on. I was like, hey, y'all, look, you know, before we go do this, I just want to tell y'all, fuck this for real this time, I'm not going to do it. Yeah, I'm serious. I'm not bullshit. She's talking about if I'm at eight feet, I better get to seven. No, 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 bitch. You better get to eight, okay? Like, like personal shit started to come out. All my life, they've been telling me I couldn't reach it because I was too small. Now you telling me you can't reach me? I pay for it. I start breaking down, right? Now you're like, yo, man, get yourself together. Let's do it. I was like, fine. You know what, Naeem? Me and you going to sit up front since you so damn tough. Now, me and Naeem, we get in the front of the raft, right? We're here. My wife is here, my boy Nate is here, and Lance is all the way in the back. Now, for those people who don't know what whitewater rafting is, it's really dangerous. Like, the water's going like 40, 50 miles per hour. You're like a pinball in a pinball machine. Every time you hit a rock, ping, you bounce off. Bounce off. Bounce off. So we're in the water, but we're not doing bad. We're doing good. We're doing pretty damn good. We're going, oh, it's fun. Scary, but it's fun. We hit a rock, bounce off. I turn around. I don't see Naeem no more. I don't know. <laughs> This is one of my closest friends, so now I'm scared. I'm worried, right? Oh, shit. Where's Naeem at? I turn around. Naeem's foot is caught on the clamp on the side of the raft, and we're dragging him. Like, but he's so scared, he's not blinking. He's just, he's just looking at me like this. So he was like, pull me up, man. Pull me up. Pull me up. Now, I couldn't pull him up because I was laughing. Like, you ever, you ever get that laugh where you get that cramp? Like, you, you know what I'm talking about? He's like, pull me up. I can't, man. I got a cramp. And I pulled me out. I was like, I'm serious. This shit hurt like hell, man. Your eyes, you ain't blinking. Blink so I can stop laughing, right? So, so finally, he stopped. He, he blinked so I stopped laughing. I get him back in the raft. He's like, yo, that's it. Take me back. I'm not doing this shit no more. I'm like, do what you mean? You're not doing this no more. You made me do it. We're going to finish. No, I'm serious. We start arguing. Lance was in the back. He was like, yo, y'all better focus because hell hole is coming up. Hell hole was a waterfall. That's probably like from that balcony to the floor, right? But it goes straight down. The only way you get out of hellhole, you got to ride the wave. You don't ride the wave, you get stuck in the middle. They got to come and chopper you out because all the water gets to flood your ass, so they got to get you out, right? I'm having so much fun, I start talking shit. I'm so small where I can lean on the front of the rav like a hood ornament. I was like, fuck hellhole. Ah! I didn't want to do Titanic. I wanted to be original. Ah! So Lance, like, I'm serious. Focus, y'all, focus. We go down hellhole. Lance was like, everybody, paddle, paddle, paddle. We all started paddling as hard as we could. It did not look like we were going to make it outside of hell hole. So we all locked eyes at the same time. Everybody jumped out the raft. We all jumped out. <laughs> I saved myself. I didn't give a fuck about nobody. My wife, nobody. I got, I got to a rock. I turned around. I saw my wife doing some weird kind of doggy paddle trying to get to me. But when I saw her, I didn't want her to see me see her because then she would want me to get back in the water and go get her. I wasn't going to do it. So I turned around this way and act like I never saw her. She's like, Kevin, help. I'm like, where are you? Where you at? Like, you got to be a part of your own rescue. 
You gotta help me help you. She's like, fuck you. I understand, right? Now, she finally got to the rock. This was the second time that I left somebody for dead and they survived. <laughs> Once again, it was an awkward moment. I didn't know what to say. I was like, hey, look who made herself a swimmer. Huh? <laughs> Up top, give me some, bring it in. <laughs> she didn't want to hear none of that shit, right? So she gets on a rock. Nate gets on a rock. Lance is like a Marine. He got his paddle in his mouth, his cast out the water. He's doing a doggy paddle with one arm. He gets on a rock. I'm like, okay, where's Naeem? It's like my best friend. I'm worried right now. I don't know what to think because my friend isn't here. I'm like, Lance, where my friend at? He's like, yo, don't worry. He's underwater. He'll pop up. Like, wait, what, the, what you mean he'll pop up? Like, he, he gonna pop up dead? He's like, well, if he is, we can bring him back. I'm like, what, wait, what? What do you mean? We can bring him back, man? No, we gotta go get him. On cue, Naeem pops up, right? He's so afraid when he pops up that he's, he's not moving his head. He's looking straight ahead. He's got his life vest and his paddle like this, and he's just looking straight ahead and blinking. He blinking a whole fucking lot. That's how I knew he was scared. This is the rock. Sweetie, like right where you are, that's where Naeem is. I'm like, yo, turn on your stomach, get to the rock. I know he hear me, cause he blinking, but I'm like, I hope he not trying to give me like a Morris code or some shit like that, because I don't know Morris codes, right? So I'm like, yo, turn your stomach, get to the rock. This asshole keeps floating past the damn rock. I'm looking at him, he's looking at me, blinking like shit. I'm like, what are you doing? He started waving his paddle in the air. The reason why he's waving his paddle in the air, cause he wants somebody to grab his paddle and pull him up. I'm not tall enough to grab his paddle. I'm not even about to attempt to reach out and fall so I can be in the same predicament as him. I didn't want that problem. So Nate was like, throw him the lifeline. I was like, what if we need it? Let him deal with this situation. So he's going down the middle of the raft, right? He's now doing this with his paddle in the middle of the river, going back and forth, because he wants somebody to grab him, pull him in that raft. And like I said, we're the only black people there. All the other white families that were there are like semi-pros. They do this all the time. They're like professionals. Some parents were like using their kids as paddles. They were doing tricks. Like, it was serious. I'm, I'm real serious. Now, Naeem is a Muslim. Here's why I tell his story. He's a Muslim. He's been a Muslim his whole life. A serious Muslim. Like, not a half-assed Muslim. Like, he one of the Muslims that read the back of packets. You know what I'm talking about? Like, you're like, hey, man, you want a Starburst? Here, let me see the packet. Give it to me. Let me see it. Mm-mm, mm-mm, read that. Look, that's pork right there. Right? I told you, man, that's pork. He one of them Muslims, right? This is why I tell a story. He's in the middle of the river, waving his paddle back and forth. This white guy's going right towards him. The white guy smacked his paddle out the way. Move, man, you messing up the trail. I saw this with my own eyes. Move, you messing up the trail, man. Naeem, without hesitation, he was like, Jesus, please help. He didn't even ask Allah for help. He didn't. <laughs> he went straight to Christianity. He didn't. He wasn't like Allah. I'm about to die. Where you at, man? He's like Jesus. Come help. I told him he's a phony. He should eat a pork sandwich and kill himself immediately. And then hey. I look up and I, he was like married with kids and he's got his own TV show. And, yeah. You know what I mean? It's like fuck. Like <laughs> we're we're growing up, man. We're growing up and like. We're now in that place of memory. Oh my God, remember when? And those jokes at the time were just amazing jokes. Like you don't, you don't think about them, but then you go back and you like, you really embed yourself into that space and time and you're like, fuck, this was great. It's like you're, you're writing and or creating history for yourself that other people will have the option to embrace or not. What's better than that? And also in the end, I thought this was a cool moment when you brought ba baby Hendrix in, in heaven out oh. and you kept it in. It wasn't just the, in the moment, but you kept it in the actual special. Tell us yeah. about that story and how that came about. And was that like a last minute thing or was that always going to happen? Well, you know, walking out on stage with heaven and Hendrix, What I love the most about that time is that like, that was my, that was my reason. So completing the biggest moment for me in my career at the time and going and instantly grabbing my reasons 
was for like the fans that had just given me the love and grace that they did. Well, here's what it's all about for me. I should see. Shell. Hey, see if I can get my babies. See if my babies are up before I go. I'm gonna show y'all my babies before I go. Just act like I left already. I just want y'all to see my kids. I'm gonna see my son come out here shaking his head. I'm gonna see. Don't move. Don't move. Y'all stay right here for a second. <laughs> say hi. They go to the microphone. Just say hi. Say hi. Anyway, this is just so y'all can see that what I tell is the truth. I really appreciate the love and support. And continue, y'all. It's really going good for me right now. It's really going good for me right now. And I really genuinely appreciate the support. Once again, my name is Kevin Hart. I love y'all. Take it easy. This ain't planned. My son is asleep. My daughter is up and half scared. But like, hey, we thank you. We thank you, we love you, we appreciate you. And by we, I mean the hearts. That was a big moment. I actually don't think it gets bigger and I've duplicated it on a couple of specials where I have them come out and, you know, wave to the crowd and say goodnight, et cetera. But it's like, it just doesn't get better. Mm -hmm doesn't get better and like now I'm able to go back and just look at that special and look at the end of it and know that when it's all said and done and I'm going my kids will be able to go oh my god dad was so dope yeah oh look at us this is when dad bought us out on stage I'm like what I'm laying Easter eggs Easter A's discovery that my kids will always be able to go back and find. Like, what's better than that? You know, you're able to see your literal infants in their infancy stage and then your career in, your, in its infancy stage to the world, at least. How do you look at those two parallels as you look back at your career? I think that's such a great breakdown. That's such a strong breakdown, right? Like, watching the babies as babies while watching a baby in the career of comedy is like, it's pretty fucking special. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's like, as my kids grew, I grew. And as my kids were growing up, the energy and effort attached to what I was doing grew up as well. There was no halfway, there was no hypothetical, it's all or nothing. So I think the synergy and energy attached to watching my kids grow up was the same synergy and energy attached to watching me grow up. Yeah. There was no other option. All eggs in one basket. As you reflecting and closing, how do you think grown little man set the tone for the rest of your career. You know, like after that was done, the reception. Well, grown little man fucked me. And here's, here's what I mean when I say it mm -hmm. fucked me. Grown little man was so good. <laughs> Seriously funny. It was so yeah. good. It mm -hmm. fucks you. Cause it's like, you, you really don't, you really don't see or understand how bad, how bad the thing that was great can be for you because your bar is set, but it's a personal bar. Mm -hmm. So Grown Little Man set a personal bar for me. And, you know, I may not never get back to that thing that I had during that time, but I love that the thing that I'm always thinking about is attached to a space, a time, and a level provided by me. Yeah. But we think grown little man, we think seriously funny, laughing my pain, let me explain. It's a different, it's a different energy. 
just a different energy, a different approach. But when you think about like all of the specials after, you're you're chasing an idea that you created, which is great because that's your motivation. But while chasing that, you also have to have a realization that you may not ever duplicate that thing. Don't let that thing be your standard and only standard for greatness. You got to understand that great is great and what you do within it after will be great too. As long as you put your mind yeah. to it. And there was a moment where I got out of it. Like where I like, my mind got out of it. I was just overthinking it and stressing myself out. But then eventually you get a handle on it and you realize like, we're good. You're good at the thing that you decided to do. You're good at the craft. But be great at the craft. Let's perfect the craft. And that's where the work kind of like, that's where it went. And when you look back at that time when you were, you know, quote unquote, touring, I'm a grown little man and, and preparing for that special to fast forward to reality check where you have the highest grossing tour last year, that's very different polar opposites, but what within you has stayed the same throughout these past, you know, 14 plus years? I, I think I've stayed the same. No, I think I know I've stayed the same because my circle has stayed the same. Mm, okay. My surroundings, my environment, my atmosphere hasn't changed. So you change as your atmosphere changes and as your personnel changes. Same people. Well, you guys are growing together. So the experiences that are new for me are new for them. So we all grew together. So watching how we all handled it and or should handle it. That was a, that was like, that was an advantage. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was an advantage. So, I mean, until this day, I got the right. same people around me. The surrounding environment that I created to me is the most valuable thing and asset to my career and whole. Because moments where you can get lost or should get lost, um, if you look up and there's unfamiliar faces around, what's easy to follow and it's easy to go. Um, I've looked up and I've always saw the same seven people. And in comedy, the dope thing about that is everybody embraces the role of we got something to do. Mm. We are going to work on t material. We are going on tour. We are going to film a TV show. We are going to go film a movie. And the we is like, it's protecting the, it's protecting the engine. And not protecting the engine like it's fights and we all got to be prepared. It's the mental, the mindset, the body, the like, the spirit, the energy. Everybody signed up to do the job of banking energy so that if that thing ever gets to a point where they need it, I don't have to go elsewhere to go get it. Like my energy source is my brothers and has been for 20 years. Yeah. Doesn't get better than that to me. Yeah, it's cool to see how it manifested, you know, in that, in that special and then kind of like I said, with the closing with Naeem, it's kind of like a little timestamp, like proof almost. Um, um, and then last thing about the special, all your specials, the names, the titles of them are timestamps to your life. It feels like, you know, they, they're, they're, yes. they're really deliberate. Right. Um, so now what does I'm a grown little man mean to you then versus now um, when you first title it to, to now 15 years later? I mean, right now, I think the beauty of where I am and in like life, the special, it definitely aligns with that. 
right? Mm -hmm. um, getting the proper title is what is most important because the title sets up the story that you're about to like sit down and listen to. So when you think about I'm a grown little man, we think about seriously funny, laughing my pain, what now, reality check, zero fucks given, irresponsible. Like when you think about all of these things, um, those titles were a strong subject matter to the topics at hand. So right now, what I'm discussing, cracking the code on what this title would be is what's like, it's what's been like the hardest. But it has to align. Mm -hmm. It's it's all foreshadowing. It's all branding. It's all setting up the thing to be the next thing after the thing. All of my titles to date have done a good job of that. I really like doing this. I really like, you know, every so often, far few in between, taking the opportunity just to talk. And let you guys know some shit about me or some shit about the things that I had, when and what, how, where. It's information. And I told you, that's what I thrive off of. I thrive off receiving it and I thrive off of giving it. In this case, you guys got it. Because it's gold mines. And what are we doing with gold mines? We get inside the minds of amazing people. Amazing talent, entrepreneurs, writers, directors, creatives, the list goes on and on. Today was no different. Got inside the mind of me. Happy 15, grown little man. Holy shit. You're growing up. <gasps> How dope is that? You're growing up, grown little man. I hope you guys received a lot of the gems and I hope you guys listened to some of them. And for those that have no idea what Grown Little Man is, do yourself a favor. Go watch it. Go watch Grown Little Man. Operation Try My Best to Come as Close to that version of me is in session. This next special will be funny. It will be great. It will be fucking dynamic. Reality check was step one. Brace yourself for step two. Everything comes in threes, people. The third will possibly be my punctuation and final. Because that's going to put me at 10. Mm. Yeah, nine and 10 got to be big. I've given you enough. Take this gold, put it in your pocket. I'll see you next time. We'll be back to our regularly scheduled program. Diving inside the minds of others. Today you got inside the mind of me. I love y'all. Peace. Gold Minds with Kevin Hart is a serious XM and Laugh Out Loud Radio production and executive produced by Kevin Hart, Mike Stein, Brian Smiley, Eric Eddings, and Eric Weil. Produced by Danny Sellers and Leslie Guam. Engineered by Danny Sellers. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific time, only on Netflix.